Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about Touch of Evil, Orson Welles' classic film. Uh, but I won't be doing that alone. I have Matt McDonald with me today. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, well, you're getting over being a little sick, so I won't keep you for too long. <laughs> you know, you're running with COVID. Um, yep. But we yep. haven't really spoken since, uh, well, we actually went to the Elton John concert together. Um, but that was yeah. pre-The Batman. So I'm in, mm -hmm. in uh, what do you call it? Like in honor of the shirt, I'm wearing the Batman shirt that was sent to me today. Um, so I wanted to ask you about your thoughts. I know this was like your most anticipated movie of the year. So did it live up to those expectations? Oh my God, it, w it way did. Um, I was surprised because I knew it was probably gonna be, it was my most anticipated. I knew it was gonna be, you know, super good. But um, I think, cause I saw it, you know, with my brother and a couple of the friends and about halfway through, I think is when we were like, this is definitely, one of the best movies if probably not the best movie to come out this year and it's only march right. uh, that's how high of a standard i think it's set and i've now seen it twice and i can i can definitely say that um you know even knowing that there's still like nine months of movies to come um it's definitely going to be up there if not still the top one just because it was it was so good um in in every single way i mean it had one or two you know pacing issues i think but um, I think those were far outweighed by everything else. I mean, if not for nothing else, just Robert Pattinson and the cinematography alone. Yes, yeah, those two. And I think Paul Dano is also very oh worth noting. And just, I thought, I love the way Gotham felt in the film. It, I've never mm -hmm. felt, because it felt like a mixture of like a little bit of New York, Chicago, even like London. It was a weird mix of yeah. different cities. It did not feel like, you know, not that like the Nolan Gotham is also great, but this really felt like something so different, so grim. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was I was blown away by that, too. And are you excited about the because it's been out for a few weeks, so we can talk about, you know, I guess if you haven't seen the Batman lights, you know, heavy spoilers, but um, the little tease at the end. Uh, how did you feel about that with like, you know, with the Joker tease? That was actually the one of the only things I didn't like. Yeah. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, I felt it kind of took away, if, if they continued with that, um, I felt it kind of takes away from Paul Dano's Riddler mm -hmm. um, being so serious and everything. Um, and, and the fact that we've already had so many Jokers, I think if they're going to do it again, wait, a, a, you know, wait at least till the, if they're going to do like a third one, because um, right. I want to see some other villains that we haven't seen done right yet. Like apparently a lot of people want Mr. Freeze and apparently they're thinking about doing Mr. Freeze in the next one. Um, but I, from what I heard, Matt Reeves said that that actually was more of just like an Easter egg type thing, and it may or may not actually return. Okay. Um, so it may not be a teaser for the next one, or you know, later on they they could do them, uh, the Joker, like in the third or fourth one, if they continue that far. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a huge fan just because even if for nothing else, even though I liked that they had Barry Keegan do it because that was sort of a fan casting, um, I didn't think it was that great. Um, it seems sort of cheesy to me, kind of like the DCEU version of what they would do. <laughs> um, I guess we've already kind of seen that, though, with Cherry and Leto. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was only like a couple minutes, so I can't tell from that totally. So, you know, he could he could definitely change it up if they decide to go with them. But I definitely uh, think that the, the darker version that they have, like the Riddler and everything, I, I like that way better. Um, but we'll see. Well, and I agree with you. I think that was my least favorite thing about the movie, just because it's the same well that we've gone to so many times now, you know, mm -hmm. whether I know like Joaquin's Joker isn't really fit to go against Batman, really. And I know mm -hmm. the Jared Leto's didn't work out, but I just feel like we've had so many iterations and something that, uh, you know, my friend Scott from Forbes had mentioned was that 
um he brought up a good point and that's that when the when batman begins to tease the joker at the end it felt special because there hadn't been a live action joker since uh the original you know the michael keaton batman not the original but the keaton batman which is a long period of time it's at least because that was 89 if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah so it's it's over 15 years 16 years and that's a long period of time to go now it's we've had you know three iterations in the last 15 years in the same period of time so it's just it's a lot and i think that it, it did you know, but I think, like you're saying, I had thought maybe if they did introduce the Joker that it would be a long, you know, long ways off, you know, maybe the yeah. third movie of the trilogy. And I hope that that's the case, because like you said, um, I do think that they had something special with like this grounded Zodiac killer kind of Riddler. And in the yeah. next movie, hopefully with Mr. Freeze and other, maybe even the Penguin again, I hope he comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, more excited about those kind of things. But and I also want to ask you, how do you feel about, um, oh, shoot, I just lost it. I lost. <laughs> I had a friend mention something that he oh oh Robin in this universe because my friend had brought up the good point a good point that a Dick Grayson Robin might not fit in that well you know with this kind of Batman world just because he'd be so happy and like upbeat right like you know the the, the Boy Scout for lack of a better term mm-hmm. but in this I don't know if in this universe that would fit but I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean I guess that just you know, depends on the way that they would take it because, you know, they've obviously gone with a couple different angles for a lot of the characters in this one, Paul, you know, Riddler being uh, way darker than he normally is. And, um, you know, Robert Pattinson actually being the detective Batman and he's, you know, super grim all the time, even when he's Bruce Wayne. Um, so I guess that would depend on, you know, how they would take the the character of Robin. It also, I guess, depends on, you know, the character arc of Batman in the next one too um but it, it is interesting because i don't think we've really ever had we've never really had a robin in these live action ones that wasn't like the you know like the goofy versions and you know batman and robin and batman forever um and the old adam west ones we haven't really had i mean you know joseph gordon lovett was like he's gonna be robin sort of thing um but we haven't really had that and it's a very interesting dynamic that i think it would they would actually i think it'd be cool to try it because they haven't ever really done it before um so i think it would be cool to try it but it it really just depends on how they would go with it a lot of people have said that timothy chalamet would be a great robin for this universe (laughs) and like i can sort of see it i'm not gonna lie because you know with dune and everything and him doing more mainstream stuff now but also still having that sort of sullen uh nature and he's still sort of young you know if if they did a kind of I don't know how you do a darker Robin, but if they, if they did that, you know, I, I think it would be cool. It really depends on, you know, if they can find a, something for him to, to do and if it would affect Robert Pattinson's Batman, you know, in a bad way, just because I don't see it. I definitely don't see him being a babysitting Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if he was like a partner sort of Batman, you know, like he worked with, with uh, Gordon in this one, I, I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on that is that I, I said to that friend, I was like, well, if they if they bring in like a even just somewhat happy Robin, you know, I think then you have to double down on the Nirvana songs and, and make it even more gloomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, a film that came out way before the Batman is Touch of Evil. And that's the movie we're mm-hmm. mostly talking about. Um, but I did want to hear your thoughts on the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hadn't seen Touch of Evil. It was a film that I'd seen like Instagram posts on for years, but never ca- got around to it. Of course, I've seen Citizen Kane, but mm-hmm. uh, this was like the Orson Welles blind spot for me. And uh, I was pretty blown away by it for the most part, um, but I'd love to hear your initial thoughts on it. Yeah, um, so I had, yeah, like like you, I had seen Citizen Kane. I hadn't seen Touch of Evil yet. 
Um, I had only actually seen the first scene because we watched it in, I think it was our directing class. They were talking about master shots and obviously, you know, it's a better master shot than one length long take. And so it was cool to watch that, that first scene again, knowing, you know, I'm watching the whole movie, but yeah, honestly, I don't know if it's blasphemous to say, but I think I liked it better than Citizen Kane. Um, just because, you know, Citizen Kane, I think it's hailed as like, cause it did a lot of stuff but it's a lot of stuff that we now know, you know, it's, are used more, more often. Um, So it's just had as like being one of the first to do a lot of those things. But this one, I think the story was way more interesting. Weirdly enough, it's actually, you know, still relevant too, which is good. Kind of like Casablanca. It's one of those, like, it feels like it could still be made now Mm -hmm. and be relevant. Um, And yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I thought I loved the characters, um, the, you know, I mean, we'll talk about this more in depth, but I I loved the cinematography and the production design it, it just it felt cool like it felt like this one very tight encapsulated story and you know in the town and everything too that they were in it just it was it was really cool yeah it's very similar to you similarly to you uh the camera work of course is amazing and even the sets like it, it brought me back to it i mean of course it's from the 50s so it is from that era but we don't i feel like movies nowadays aren't made in that same way where it's this small town that you know that you know they could have built as a set i don't know if it was a real town or not but it just felt so yeah constrained like you said and that's something that i think is so rare nowadays yeah, um yeah. and it yeah the camera work was amazing like that first scene i was because it was like a minute in and i'm like huh we haven't it's been one you know it's been one take and i, I forget that orson Welles really has done so much for what we know mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. film and it's amazing because i think the movie's from 54 i might be off on the date but i know it's yeah after I citizen kane it's it's late 50 something like that yeah but it's just amazing to see watching any of his films where you realize how much you know his fingerprints are all over movies mm-hmm. that we still watch today um mm-hmm. yeah and even like the you know there's a scene in the car right and i love that i don't know it's just this movie is so joyfully 50s i guess <laughs> you know it's like yeah. a, it's so vintage but i don't know i don't know if it the story could maybe be remade nowadays but i don't know it just feels so perfect i guess is what i'm trying to say Yo, yeah, and I mean that is the thing. If they re if they remade this movie with this specific plot now, it would be. I don't want to say it would be more controversial, yeah. But it would be taken a lot of different ways, and people would be like, "We don't need this movie," or "We do need this movie." It, it would it, it it I think would take away from the noir aspect that this had, and like yeah, that was the plot. Um, but it, it was, it was just one part, you know, that like the, the plot was, you know, this one part of it, but there was so much more around it as well that it, I mean, it just served to be the plot for a detective movie. And, you know, I, I think that's what made it kind of special in, in that regard. Yeah. And I guess one of the things that, you know, is unfortunate is it is a bit dated in some things, right? Like I think, uh, yeah. is it Charles Heston is the star, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that that's the only thing that, you know, halfway through, I was like, well, I don't know if that, you know, I, I didn't realize he, you know, because I think he's supposed to be Mexican, correct? I think. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I looked it up, he's not, as far as I know. And so they just dyed his hair black and call him a foreigner a lot. Um, yeah. Which, it's just interesting that nowadays, you could not do that at all, right? I don't yeah. think you could even attempt to do that, and you know, and have that work out. Of course, this was a different time. But did that because it kind of bothered me halfway through i realized well they're calling him a foreigner he doesn't look i, I forgot that he was supposed to be mexican yeah <laughs> and then i looked it up and that was apparently controversial but yeah i had i had no idea when we started this movie because actually i watched it um while i was in quarantine and my mom was watching it on the tv downstairs when we were skyping and watching at the same time and um she she was like i think he's supposed to be 
Mexican. And I was like, what? And I looked up his name and I was like, oh my God, I think he is. And I was like, because you, he doesn't even look, obviously he doesn't look yeah. Mexican because he's not. And so I was like, what were they even trying to go for? And, and it's, it, and it's bad too, because, you know, no matter what race he's playing, I almost sometimes can't take Charlton Heston seriously. Mm. He's such an overactor in like yeah. a good way. But like, you know, especially like Ten Commandments, like that, that is just super dramatic. Um, but the way, I mean, this one actually, I think was his most dialed back I've ever seen. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was very weird that they tried to make him a foreigner, even though he clearly is not. Like, even in the way of just, not even the way of like, that's just wrong, but in the way of like, it's just not believable. Like, yeah. I like this character. Yeah. I, I just wish, you know, I mean, obviously, like, it was important for the plot that he, his character is Mexican. He rides that, those, those lines, but like, then just get someone else. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, like you said, I think like your mom, I, I just I think it hit us all then in the same way where we didn't realize it or fully put it yeah. together until halfway through. And honestly, it's it's this is going to sound weird, but I couldn't stop thinking of, he looked so much more like, uh, what's his name, uh, Henry Cavill in that Mission Impossible movie. That's all I could see because yeah. when I was thinking about it, I'm like, he, man, he really looks like Henry Cavill. And then they said he's Mexican. He does. And so it, it just was interesting. But the overacting, I do agree with you. I think that that was the best way of putting it. There was, some, there was a couple scenes I'm trying to remember. There was one where I really thought that, and I was like, "Oh, that's." <laughs> um, but again, it, it, it is a different era, and I, I liked uh, what Janet Lee is it Lee or I don't know if I'm saying her last yeah, name right. Yeah. Um, of course, from Psycho, which when, I, when <laughs> she first was on screen, I was like, "Oh, she looks so familiar." And then, of course, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was Psycho. Yeah. But I thought she was really good, and I thought her arc was very, um, well, I don't want to say powerful, but touchy, right? Because it's very towards the end uh you know that <laughs> yeah. uh, what's implied it, it's kind of rough and i think that that's another thing that in in a different era it works i don't know like, i think that's just the one thing i keep going back to in this movie is that you can do it a little bit differently than nowadays where i don't know if you could necessarily do it the same way i mean it happens right uh yeah what, yeah what you, i think you, yeah well yeah no i definitely think um you're you're right in that it it's a different era and not say that in like an excuse way yes, but in yes, like a now everything is so explicitly shown yeah or t or said that doing it then it's almost like this this we can do it in a i don't want to say a more tasteful way but in a more implied way yes and it makes sense for that time period if you do it now it's like sure it's it's you know it can seem tasteful but it also might seem like oh we're just avoiding the subject so you know we're, right. you're not even gonna like put it in there so it's weird because it's like we almost expect that it has to be sh things have to be right. shown now rather than just implied, which sometimes is more tasteful to do. And I think I agree with you there. I think that that is actually the best way of putting it. I think you don't always need it to be like, what's that? There's the one horror movie that I think they've remade two or three times. Uh, I spit on your grave or something like that. Like not everything mm -hmm. has to be so explicitly like right, right. gratuitous and stuff. So I'm, I am glad about that. But it is kind of interesting because like the point you made, if you don't like nowadays, if you don't show it, then it's you're avoiding it. But if you do right. show it, then it could be this, you know, so it's a it's such a yeah. tricky wire. But I guess Orson Welles at this point was just, you know, <laughs> he was, yeah. was going to tell the story he was going to tell. And I also thought he was yeah. great in the movie, specifically yeah. the last 15 minutes, I really or 20 minutes or so when he's because uh, acting drunk is a lot harder than I think people give it credit for. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. you know, it could be so easy to just be over the top and be falling over yourself, which is a possibility. But I really thought that that last scene where um, where he's walking with is that I, I always forgot if the cop's name is Pete. Is it something Menzi? Menzi, yeah. Is that his it, it was his partner, right? 
Menzi? Yeah, I think it's... I got some of them confused. (laughs) Yeah, the names are a little confusing, but I really like that scene, and it reminded me of a movie that we just talked about, The Batman, um, because there's a couple of swerves in that last scene where at first he's, you know, he's like, oh, that looks good on you, and I thought he was talking about the wire. I thought he could see the wire or something that Mm, he was wearing. mm -hmm. At first I was thinking, oh, shoot, can he see it? I was like, I don't know how he could see it. Then he's just saying something else, and then later uh, they're continuing to walk, and he goes, I forget if he says, like, what's that over there? And he's just looking at the oil pump or something, but that's where uh, uh, Heston's character is like, you know, hiding behind. Um, Mm -hmm. So those kind of like, you know, I was thinking of like the Bruce Swain thing in in the Batman where it's a little different, but it's leading you one way. Oh, that's true. Subverting it. I don't know if that was a really great analogy, but (laughs) it it came to me when I was watching it. Same thing. Yeah, I I liked that part a lot too. Um, Like that whole ending. It was interesting how, um, you know, thinking back on it, because when I first watched it, I was like, man, that, that seems like, yeah, every, everything's wrapped up and everything's answered, but it seemed a little more anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, it was more of a personal, uh, intimate ending rather than a whole big thing. Like, he goes to the police, the police know. And, I mean, yeah, they're going to know anyway. Um, and I think it was also very interesting that the the guy that um, Orson Welles thought did it actually did it. But at that point, it didn't matter. It wasn't about that. Um, but, yeah, I thought he was uh, – I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, definitely a very, very interesting. It was cool to see the, you know, the two sides of like two types of detectives and, um, yeah, he was, he was really cool. Um, I, I think he's just one of those like just cool noir detective characters that, that you see. And, um, you know, I, I knew it was him when I first saw him cause I knew he was in it, but my mom just knew that he directed it. She didn't know that he was in it. So like halfway through, she's like, I think that's Orson Welles. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. And but, yeah, I, I, th- I loved him. And I did also love that, kind of like you said, the ending is also very, it, it, it speaks to the, you know, constrained nature of the film. Like, it's not this mm-hmm. big, I mean, there there is a sh- bit of a, you know, trading of shots, you know, but it's not like this big, it could have been a big fight, yeah. you know, at the end nowadays, but it, this is just such a simple ending and it ends. And I love that about the movie. Um, and I also yeah. love that the echoing of the uh, of the radio that he has, you know, yeah. this thing is what screws him over. Because that's a trope that you see nowadays, you know, in every horror thriller crime movie there's always somebody hiding and then a phone mm-hmm. goes off or something but i just i liked again because it just i guess i haven't seen enough 50s movies to know whether or not that's like you know to to see like the groundwork for what we see nowadays because these are mm-hmm. these are things that we just see in movies so commonly uh, and so yeah. frequently um but yeah I, I forgot what i was gonna say about that end scene um but did you have any other thoughts on that scene in particular before i you know? um think so i mean i think you pretty much touched on everything you know like uh like yeah the fact that he he, you know acted like he was drunk because you know it it is definitely harder and i think he pulled it off really well because you know from the things that um i've seen or personally know about being drunk um it's like you're all the the only things you care i mean because you can unless you're like completely blackout wasted like you're you can carry yourself pretty well um but you know you just talk slower and you're like i just want another you know whatever so i think he did a really good job with that and uh yeah, like I, I actually did like the the echo thing because at first I thought that was just his echo or something because they yeah, were yeah I thought that like, too yeah. sound design doesn't really make sense and then I realized it was the the radio and I was like oh, okay that's that's pretty cool um so yeah I honestly like right after that after everything kind of um comes to a head um the the part where the I forget what her name was but basically who it ends on yeah and she was like he was some kind of man I was like. Okay, that was a weird, weird way to end this. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I don't, I don't know how deep you're trying to get with this, but I didn't really understand that part. Um, no, that, that was supposed to be his wife, right? Orson Welles' wife, or 
Is that actually Orson Welles' wife? No, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, like in the, the movie, oh, in the character, oh. I'm sorry. I, I just can't. I, I didn't know. I thought that was just some, like, you know, past yeah. friend that he visited who, like, you know, obviously they had some sort of relationship or something at one point. But I like I liked her because she called him on his stuff. Like, she yeah. wasn't, he didn't mess around. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about the film is what, because you know, you would know more than I would, um, some of, like, the impact that this film has had, because, you know, it is a noir movie. I think that that's kind of a lost art nowadays, like a good noir mm-hmm. mystery. Um, but like I said, I've seen it on Instagram posts and I hear about it, but again, not nearly as much as you do Citizen Kane, which yeah. I guess for yeah. good reason, because of the innovation that it, you know, it brought. But I think Touch of Evil also has had a lot of impact. I imagine it's had a lot of impact mm-hmm. on crime and mystery films. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sh- I mean, because I don't know, I don't know specifically, you know, for like which movies, but yeah. um, it definitely, I mean, in so many ways, uh, weirdly enough, you can actually, now that I think about it, I can even see stuff that, ins- that you know, inspired it and, and um, had an impact on this movie. Like, honestly, if if it had been a little less, you know, detective-y and, um, and I didn't know that it was done by Orson Welles, I would have thought this was a Hitchcock movie, especially the way mm-hmm, that it mm-hmm. ended. Um, but that being said, you know, for what it did for other movies, I mean, for sure, the... Uh, um, the cinematography and and the lighting and everything um of course it goes you know hand in hand with a lot of other of those noir movies you know i'd have to see like look at it for like little details and stuff but honestly i think i really think the production design was something that just really i i found really cool like i don't know what it was but especially in the beginning it was there wasn't anything in particular i mean maybe like that that one woman's shop you know, with like the piano and everything. Um, but I don't know what it was. It was just, it felt small, but it, it, it felt like a big movie in a small container rather than the other way around. Like, you know, it usually seems with small town movies. Um, but in terms of like, you know, impact, I think it definitely just was another in the line of Orson Welles where it's like, this is how you shoot just a single, you know, like a regular scene. Um, it doesn't have to be something connected to every other universe or whatever. It's just like, here's how to make a compelling um just dramatic scene and um in terms of you know just building characters and just making like this small story out of nothing and it's not it's not you know like you're gonna go on and be like this the end of the world or anything big but just story-wise i thought i thought it was um pretty tight and yeah i think think there was something else that i was thinking about too um when i was watching it but I'll, i'll have to think of what it was but uh oh that that was one thing that i thought was kind of weird the only thing I thought was weird camera wise was when they were driving the car and then they have this weird like pullback as they're driving away mm-hmm. and it looked really shaky and weird. And I didn't know if that was on purpose or not. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah. So definitely, um, def- Citizen Kane, I think definitely have bigger impact in terms of just how to shoot a movie. But this, I think was uh, a much more interesting story. Um, and and much tighter. Up. Yeah. And tighter. I was just going to ask you, I think, did you watch like the theatrical cuts? Now there's like three different versions out there. Right? I think it, I think it was the theatrical cut. I think um, I don't know how much they differ in length. This one was like an hour and thirty five minutes yeah. or something. I think. Yeah, um, that's that's the. Th- it's weird because that's the theatrical one, and then there was another edit that was I think an hour forty eight, and apparently people hated it. I think that was the one that people oh. didn't like. So when it first came, had like screenings in the fifties, I guess people didn't like the longer version so they cut it down to yeah. 95 or whatever but, imagine them watching a movie today and they're all like three hours long oh my gosh 
No, I know. That's <laughs> I know. It's it's awful. But are there any movies? Um, well, I guess I also wanted to ask you final. Like, if you had to, I guess this is hard because it's an old movie. But I'm gonna put you on the spot. If you had to rate or grade uh, Touch of Evil, what would you give it? Uh, let's see. So on my channel, I do everything out of four. So if I had to Okay. give this a, a, a score, I definitely, I would probably say 3.5 Yeah. uh, for sure. Um, Cause there really wasn't much wrong with that. That was actually one thing I, I didn't think about to say, but the dialogue too, Yes. in terms of how to just write a scene where it's great dialogue, that's giving you all the information that you need without it being too over, you know, explanation or, um or boring. And it was cool. Cause they just kind of were like, just good, especially when he was, uh, when Quinlan was interrogating the um, the one guy that he thought actually did it, who actually ended up doing it. Um, and then you have, you know, Vargas in the bathroom and the shoebox and all. They were just kind of just going back and forth. And, you know, it just sounded like regular dialogue. And that it feels like that would have gone on too long or been, you know, just what, what are we doing here? Um, but I don't know. There was something about it. Just, it just kept it going. Um, but yeah, so in terms of rating it, I would definitely say 3.5. Um, there was just, I think with Janet Lee's subplot, Um, I think it, not that it went on long or anything, but I felt like there wasn't as much going on there. And the, the, the boys that were there to, uh, I can't remember what his name was, um, the, the grandfather or whatever his name was, um, his boys that were there. I didn't understand why they were just kind of hanging around waiting. I, I guess there was like a, they were waiting for a signal or something. Um, but it definitely did, it did make for some more suspense. And, um, and that other guy who was the night guard guy. He was kind of funny, but I also found him really <laughs> annoying too. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, and those are just some small things, but otherwise I thought it was excellent. yeah yeah agreed and you know before i let you go i wanted to ask if there were any movies you know that you caught this weekend there's a couple of good releases or anything in the next couple of weeks that you're looking forward to maybe the lost city or maybe everything i'm gonna screw this up i'm gonna get this right uh everything everything everywhere all at once i think that's what Yeah, it's called yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was trying to Um, uh so with with having COVID, um, I I was only ever I was only able to see Turning Red, which I have my review out for now, which I am kind of surprised at how much controversy it's getting. I didn't see that being a very controversial movie No, same. Yeah. or things that hadn't been talked about before. Um, so I thought that was kind of weird. Um, but my review is up for that. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to see, um, The Lost City. Uh. I, my family, we, we all want to see that one. That looks really fun. And, um, and yeah, the, I think both of these are coming out. Um, everything everywhere all at once, which I heard, which I, I have no, literally no idea what it's about. Well, I guess it's about everything. Um, but I'm super excited to see what it's actually about. And then I've also heard that X is really good. I didn't think it was going to get as many good reviews as it has been, but apparently it's like super good. The, Yeah. the new a 24 horror. So A24 is killing it already, and it's been like three months. Yeah, well, and Jenna Ortega is killing <laughs> it because she was in yeah, Scream yeah. 5. And then I haven't seen the Fallout yet, but apparently she's phenomenal. And then X, she's also great. And so she said, she, it, it makes Wow. me, I, I like, I want to interview her someday. And I, she's one of my favorite, you know, actresses, especially on the rise. And it's just funny because I looked at her age. I'm like, oh, she's 19. So she's, she's doing like so much and she's younger than Oh, my me. God. <laughs> it makes me feel kind of sad, but very happy Yeah, for her. no, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but, uh, and you mentioned turning red. I agree with you on the controversy. It, it drives me insane because... No, I don't want to harp on this too much if, you know, if you don't want to, but what annoys me about the controversy is that I get that it, to me, yes, it, is it a little bit more mature than other Pixar movies? Okay. Yeah. It, but I think that it deals with such subject matter in a way that's 
I don't know. It's it's even subject matter that we all go through. We all go go around yeah. with you know we deal with growing up, right? And yeah. even if you want to talk about the body changes or whatever, I don't think they did it in such a way that was like gratuitous or disgusting. This wasn't like you know I don't yeah. know. And yeah. it's it's just unfortunate. You know, it's just reality as far as I know. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, you know I'm not a I'm not a woman, so I can't speak on that perspective. But I'm mm. just saying that I don't really think it was. You know, I don't know. I just, I don't see why people yeah. are getting upset about it. And I, I, I saw some, like, I don't remember if it was on YouTube or I think I, IMDb. Somebody was like, oh, this is a movie encouraging kids to diso disobey their parents. I'm like, no, that you don't get the, that's uh, clearly looking to contrive an argument because, yeah, yeah. you know, yes, do they go around their parents' backs? Of course. But they don't, it doesn't work out for them. You know, it's right. not like, you right. know, I don't know. It's it's not like the little rascals where it works out for them, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah. I don't know, but I love the film. It just drives me nuts that people are like, not disliking it, but disliking it for reasons that are so contrived. Yeah, no, I, I like, I personally didn't love it. Um, and like, I, there was, that was just because of some structure, story stuff, mm. you know, but I, I'll go to the hills for this movie if people say that it was bad because of that stuff. Because, like, I just – it didn't make any sense to me because, you know, like like I was talking to my mom about it. She was like, well, you know, maybe – she hasn't seen it. But she was like, you know, maybe it's because they want to talk to their child about this, you know, before they see this movie. So I'm like, okay, one, don't go to take them to see this movie. Two, um, it, it deals with very real things that aren't – yeah, like you said, aren't – what they didn't even do it in that, you know – explicit of a yeah. way there's literally one scene that i forgot about that mentions like pads and stuff but like it, it, that's not even like you wouldn't know what that is if you obviously you know what that is um but the thing that bothers me the most is like okay but why is this the first issue you have with really deep themes in pixar because sure it's mature in an actually like maturing way but like They've talked about things like depression in, yeah. in Inside Out, yes. you know, or like freaking, I mean, if you want to even go this far, they talk about things like capitalism and Bugs Life. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. big stuff. And sure, this one's probably a little more obvious than that. But like in Inside Out, like that was about depression, like full depression. Why, why don't, why didn't we get up in arms about that one? You know, if you want to talk to your kids about that heavy stuff first, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not really sure. Yeah. And then the whole like rebelling against your parents. I mean, the whole entire point of the movie is you know the pressure of the parent on the child and you need to get out from under that and obviously you don't want to just completely disobey your parents you know because they have and we've come to learn that like she has her struggles too uh which is the point of that but like wh why are we getting so on the child about disobeying the parent why aren't we getting on the parent about like suffocating their child like yeah. It goes both ways. It wasn't good on either side, but like it goes, but it just, it really bothered me. I don't, I don't know where it came from, but. And, and the only last one that I'll bring up that annoyed me, because I just thought of this as you were talking was, you know, the scene where um, she's, May is in the bathroom, so like selling pictures, right? I think it's like, you know, $5 a picture yeah. or something. People were like, yeah. oh, so they're, so this is supposed to be about like sex work. And it's like, that's not like. That's not really I did the not same get that thing. At all. Because they, they were saying, like, the parents said, don't use your, you know, don't abuse your parent, you know, whatever they say. I think that that's really, I can, I think that's really forcing an idea into such an innocent thing where it's, she's turning into a panda. It's not turning, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, yeah. and taking pictures. That's, are we mad at, like, you know, at a school, are we mad at the mascots for going around taking pictures with, you know, students and stuff? If they start, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like, I don't. I don't get that. Um, but yeah, not to harp on that too much. But yeah, and I would recommend, have you heard about the outfit? 
which just came out. The out. Uh, that that sounds familiar, but I don't think I. Who's in that? That's uh, Dylan. Uh, not I'm not listing any order, but Mark Rylance, Zoe Dutch, is it Zoe Dutch? Uh, Dylan O'Brien and Johnny Flynn. Okay, okay. That, I think that sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah. So it's kind of like a is it 40s or 50s mob movie in Chicago, and um, with it, it, I kept thinking of it when we were talking about Touch of Evil because this movie takes place in one location, which I think mm-hmm. is something that can be cheesy, but it reminded me of like Reservoir Dogs and uh, mixed with the Kingsman because Mark Rylance plays a, mm-hmm. a tailor and these mo- you know he gets involved oh. with the mob and stuff. And I think what's most interesting about it is that the one location thing, but a lot of it's implied. Not a lot mm-hmm. happens. I mean, things happen in the store, but the overall thing, like because there's like a mob war going on and these mm-hmm. families are involved, you don't see any of that. You know, people, it's like a play okay. where Dylan O'Brien at one point runs off, I think, or maybe it's Johnny Flynn, runs off, and then he, you know, returns later. It's like he, le- he left the stage, because you don't see it, you know, you don't. And right, I, And right. I think that's brilliant, and I really love, the writer, well, the director wrote uh, The Imitation Game and won an Oscar for that screenplay, mm-hmm. um, uh, Graham Moore. I almost, I interviewed him and almost forgot his name, but uh, <laughs> it's just, I thought that was something really, uh, really, really special, so... Out of those, you know, because this weekend had Deep Water on, on Hulu, mm-hmm. X in theaters, uh, The Outfit in theaters, and maybe one other one I'm forgetting that was on streaming. But I think out of all the releases this week, that was definitely my favorite. X is a close mm-hmm. second, but I definitely think this narratively was so strong. So when you're able to get out to the theater again, I highly recommend it before because with it's not a franchise okay. movie, so it'll leave sooner than you can it's imagine. Gonna, yeah. But yep. <laughs> definitely, definitely catch that one if you can. Yeah, no, that that sounds awesome. Um, I mean, because those those kind of movies they've been doing them a lot lately, and they all like hit really hard, like Ma Rainey. And, yes. Um, yes, and uh, uh, One Night Miami. One Night Miami. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, those those are really good. Um, you know, and it's like one of those that it's so hard because like after a while you're so limited with just with one location. You know, do you make it interesting, or you know, can can the dialogue come? You know, not cheesy, but like oh, but, just yeah. too much, just because that's all you have. But uh, no, they, they've been doing a really good job with it. So I love those kind of movies. So I'd love to check that one out. Agreed. Well, with that said, I'll have to have you back on either because last year we did a <laughs> we did a Oscars predictions, but then my mic was messed up. So that <laughs> ended up and then we did an Oscars <laughs> reaction. So we'll have to figure out one or the other, maybe both. Maybe we could do a yeah. little bit of a fun bet or something over uh, over the Oscars. That'd be cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, th- you know, this year, um, I, don't, I don't know because I've seen I'm, I'm definitely catching up on them i still have to see belfast and coda um but i've seen i think almost all of the others for the, at least the main ones and uh but this year i don't know i feel like there's there's not really a whole lot that are like front runners all of them feel like they could take something no and can people you know? stop crapping on coda it's it's driving me nuts it just won the pga award for uh i forget what which one but people are now all of a sudden crapping on it because it has a chance at best pictures and that drives oh me insane. Why? it's okay it's, it's so okay it's right? like, that's what i'm saying like i think I think discourse is a whole nother, whole other topic. We could have a hour, you know, hours long yeah. conversation on that because it's just, I get it. If you don't like, people think it's like a Hallmark TV movie, but it's such a beautiful movie just because it doesn't have like end of the world implications like anything else. I just think you gotta be able to appreciate a beautiful story about coming of age. The same kind of story that Turning Red had about fleeing the, you know, the bird's nest. You know, it's yeah. it's the same thing, but it, oh, it drives me insane and people are now crapping on it for no reason just because it isn't just because it's winning a lot yeah it trust me insane i i I swear i swear the the biggest way the 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 fastest way to become the most hated piece of media is to be 
really, really liked by a lot of people. Yeah. Other otherwise, then it's you know nobody knows about it, and then some of the people are like, oh, have you seen this one? It's such a nobody. Nobody's talking about this one. But then if they are, and everyone's talking about it, then everyone goes on the opposite of like, oh my god, I'm tired of that one already. <laughs> and it, it's and the, same, the way that same movie. And uh, it's funny. I was gonna wrap up, but I do want to say that it drives me insane that even something like The Power of the Dog, which I still, it's my. I think my second favorite best picture nominee behind mm. Coda. I still loved it a lot, but I don't know why people loved it all through, you know, the festi- festival circuit. Then all of a sudden now people are kind of lukewarm and now it's kind of shifted back towards in good graces with people, but it just yeah. drives me nuts. Why can't it just be, you know, I don't know right. why it can't just be consistent. It's a, it, right. they're all great films. The reality of it is all 10 of them are great films, you know, whether you like all of them or not, you know, yeah. some people don't like Belfast or don't like, West Side Story, but they're all great films. They are some of the best of the year. That's just, you know, that's kind of how mm-hmm. it works. So I don't know why yeah. people can't just appreciate, you can appreciate the artistry and rank them. That's part of the fun. You know, like I like right. most, all of Wes Anderson's movies. It's fun to rank them. It's just that you don't have yeah. to put others down to such a, de- you know, and just hate on it for that reason. Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know. It drives exactly. me insane. <laughs> drives me. Oh my gosh. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, the Oscars are coming up in a week from today. Um, well, yeah. probably a little sooner by the time I post this on Tuesday. But um, Matt, I appreciate you taking time to watch Touch of Evil, talk about Touch of yeah. Evil, the Batman, and I'm everything else. Glad I, I had a, a reason to now because I keep procrastinating a lot of these, and and that's one I needed to see. And I think the only other Orson Welles one I need to really see now is the Third Man. Those those are the big three yeah. that people always talk about. So uh, yeah, so you know, thanks for giving me the the push to actually watch watch it. <laughs> of course. Well. I guess I will be talking to you soon. I just realized the Oscars are a week away, as I said. <laughs> it feels yeah. a little <laughs> close, but we'll we'll talk again soon. All right, Matt. Thank mm. you so much for all of your time.